I want to look at a passage this morning that uh, has worked me over numerous times. Um, I first memorized it when I was in VBS, so that would have been a long time ago. And uh, got the first five verses, had no clue what it meant, uh, but they said it would be good to learn, so I did. Uh, the very first sermon I preached was out of this passage. Uh, I'd been in college. It had become precious to me. I preached it three times in less than 15 minutes, probably closer to 5 to 10. Uh, was not real happy over how things had gone. Uh, since then, I've used it numerous times, have never gone away satisfied that I was able to convey the wonder of what it is. Because uh, there's a lot to unpack within it. But I'll take another shot at it this morning. Uh, this is out of the Gospel of John and the first 18 verses. But uh, John, at the end of his book, says uh, there were a lot more miracles that happened. But he says, I've written down these and these testimonies so that you can believe and have life. So he's, he's very specific. He had a reason for writing and there's an intricacy in this book that uh, shows uh, some significant intellect or just design, uh, you know, the seven miracles, the seven IMs, his connecting of Greek ideas and Hebrew ideas, very, very powerful but unusual in, in what comes through. I believe that the Holy Spirit works through the writers, but it's flavored by their own understanding and training and, and development so that each, each has a different perspective and a different uh, way that they present things. And so in this book, uh, you have a, a similar thing going on. And it starts out, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. You know, as a kid, word with God, big deal. What, <laughs> I have no clue what that means. But there is a, a uniqueness that comes across with this even in saying that it's, it's going to the idea that Jesus was with God in the beginning, but it also, if you remember, the scripture in Genesis starts out in the beginning. And so he's, he's capturing this and he's pulling it together. And then how did everything come into being? It was spoken through the word, right? And so he's pulling on some images for the Hebrew mind, but also in the Greeks, there are things they would have loved this idea of the word, you know, because theirs was kind of a reason philosophy. And for him to tie into this, they'd have been, oh, that's interesting. You know, when he, in the book of Revelation, says, speaks of God as being the Alpha and Omega, he takes the first Greek letter and the last Greek letter and puts them together and says, he's everything there is, the Alpha and Omega. And we're kind of going, well, okay, but for the Greek mind, that would have been special, but what's he doing? He's, he's reaching out to the Hebrews and he's reaching out to the, the Gentiles and he's writing things that would interest both of them. And so as he goes through this, you know, he says, that, um, the word was with God and the word was fully God. 
And the Greek might have been, would have been, okay, I, I, that's okay. But we're kind of looking at it, and we're beginning to say, wait a minute, Jesus is fully God? Okay, I get, you know, okay, that's good. But you go on, and it says, the Word was with God in the beginning, so it says here's a separate identity, and yet he's with God, and, and then we go, wait a minute, in the beginning? I mean, Jesus wasn't just born, but he preceded all of this. And again, those are, those are things that we begin to accept by faith, even though we know that we'll never fully understand it, right? I mean, to say that Jesus was preexistent in creation, we're kind of, it's a head-scratcher. And yet... That's what the scripture is conveying. And so him coming to earth has a, a, a different idea connected with it, but it says all things were created by him. So again, these are core truths that we are tying into and saying, if, if I embrace this, I guess I'm going to embrace the whole package, but I, I'm not sure how it works. And then it says, apart from him was not anything created that has been created. But again, if we're to understand this properly, we're saying that God isn't creation. Remember, you know, like in our culture, it's not uncommon to talk about Mother Earth in, 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 in God terms, right? You know, in our culture, there's this idea that, you know, you go to the mountain because the mountain's going to speak to you. Or you go to the woods because they're going to speak to you. And John's being very specific. He's saying, no, it's not in creation. He's the creator. So again, it's, it's helping us define who is God and what is this identity that we're dealing with. He's the creator. So he makes that very specific, that case. And what... Uh, The Greeks would have gone, okay, we, we're fine with that. But when he says the word became flesh, they'd be going, whoa, no, uh, wait a minute. Because they would, they would go, mind and spirit, things you can't see, that's, that's all cool. Flesh is evil. There's nothing good in flesh. And yet... If God became flesh, he would have to be conquering anything of, of failure and evil even in that existence. So he's laying down some major concepts that we get to embrace and hang on to, but it, it's not the kind of thing there where it's just going, oh, he's just writing, you know. <laughs> it's flowery and, and it's, you know, Unusual imagery. No, he has very specific things in mind that he's trying to get across. We have our own light show going on. I looked at that last night, and I'm going, you know, now we need the fog, but we're, we're good. We're good. I, uh, he begins to tie in this thing, too, that in him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And so, again, he's pulling more light and dark imagery, he's, he's bringing in another concept, 
And again, this is something that we'd be looking at and going, okay, we understand the benefit of light. Last week, I, I, I mentioned a verse that I've been tying into, and, and uh, it's just intrigued me. But it says, your instructions are a doorway through which light shines. They give insight to the untrained. And as I've been looking at that, uh, Char and I have, uh, this summer, we're, we're in an east-facing bedroom where we've been on a west one for years. Every morning, the sun starts coming in and shining. I'm, I'm loving it. And, uh, you know, so every morning I get this joy of seeing illumination take place. You know, I, I can get up and I'm not stubbing my toe on a chair and, and I can see. <laughs> and it, it makes a difference, right? You know, and, and what he's saying is God brings illumination into our lives. In fact, the, the second half of that verse is so incredible. It says, he gives insight to the untrained. And, and I, I know I said this last week, but the, that untrained is, is like, it, you could translate it silly. He gives insight to the silly, the, the, one, the foolish one. Or it can't even be the seducible one, meaning that they can be talked into stuff they shouldn't be talked into. And he says, he, they, his light gives insight to help you understand that there are things that you shouldn't be talked into. So it just, uh, he, he's pulling these images out, he's putting them together, and he's saying, this is what our God is about, and this is who Jesus is, and this is the core of our belief. And then he, he addresses a, a, an Israelite issue. He, he says, John the Baptist... He says, he wasn't that light, but he came talking about it. He was one of the witnesses. Now, in that day, John had gathered huge crowds, right? When he was declaring, repent, you know, for the kingdom of God is near, it says there were massive crowds. And people were being baptized under repentance. They're saying, I'm going to change the way that I live because I want to be ready for God. And so John had this huge following, and yet John is making a declaration, Jesus is the real deal. Even though John had notoriety, he's going, I'm not the one. Later on in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 19, uh, Paul goes to Ephesus, and there are still disciples of John that are gathered together in the synagogue. They haven't heard yet that Jesus was the one that John was pointing to, but John had a following that went outside of Israel. And so he's saying, this witness, this, this person who declared things, he was pointing at Jesus. He was testifying about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then he breaks this down a little bit further. He says, he was in the world, and the world was created by him, but the world did not recognize him. And so even though Jesus came to earth, and even though he made everything, he says it just, they didn't get it. In a passage like this, I, I, uh, 
it's easy to get into the weeds <laughs> and the detail because there, there's a lot there. But if we don't keep the big picture in mind, it kind of gets lost, right? I, uh, recently, there's been a picture floating around the Internet of, the, of the, uh, a, a single cell. And uh, it's, it's amazing. It's done in great color and great detail. But then you read, artist rendering. <laughs> it's not an actual photo. It's just somebody trying to incorporate all the things that are known to be a part of the cell, but they can't take a picture of it. It's too small. And it's too complex for what they know is there. And, and that's kind of how a passage like this becomes, where you're going, there's more to chew on here. And, and, and yet... We don't want to lose the, the joy of all these cells put together make an incredible person. You know, and the fact that we function at all is astounding to me. And when, we, when we're looking at a thing like this and we're going, yeah, AI is pretty amazing. You know, what, what they're able to do now and the memory that's available and the way that you can get machines to work but the machines aren't making and recreating themselves yet. They're not able to just draw energy on their own. They're not able to reproduce themselves. They're not able to heal themselves in the facet that our bodies are. And we're going, the creator that did all of that is the one who came to earth, and yet he wasn't recognized. And it says, it goes on to say, he came to what was his own, but his own people did not receive him. And so even though there were the prophecies given to Israel and they were called the people of God and they had this longing for a Messiah and all of that had been talked about, when it actually came to happen, they didn't see it. And so John's saying, you know, it, it, God set them up to understand like when you read Isaiah 53 and you have this suffering servant and you're kind of going, well, it describes the crucifixion in detail. You go to Psalm 22, written a thousand years before Christ, you get the same kind of things and you're kind of going, whoa, that could only be Jesus. And yet, even though it was written a thousand years in advance and Isaiah's written hundreds of years in advance, it doesn't fully come through and folks aren't ready for it when it happens in the way that it happened. And yet it goes on to say, but to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he is given the right to become the children of God. <laughs> Here's another big picture. Wait a minute. You and I get to be the kids of God? The creator who made all, who made everything, the world that we live in, the solar system, the galaxies, the, the one who, who, who designed it all, who has an intelligence that goes way beyond anything we could do, he says that we can be family? <laughs> What's going on? Why would he do that? Why does he care enough about his creation to choose to say, you're my kids? I'm going to bring you into this through Jesus. And we start to say then, how amazing is it that Christ came to earth? How amazing is it that he would die for our sin? 
How amazing is it that God would reach out to us? He says, we're children not born by human parents. So the new birth that we have isn't just because we were born of, of parents. But when Jesus later on with Nicodemus talks about a birth of the Spirit, there's a new life that enters us when we receive Christ. There's a newness of life that, that starts fresh. He says, we're not, we're not born by the desire of a husband saying, I want kids. We're not, we're not born by uh, just human desire. He says, we're born by God. He plants new life into us. And, and so, if we can believe that the Creator would come to earth in human form, we can believe that human form can be attached to the Creator in new life. For the Word became flesh and took up residence among us. So again, he's saying this dichotomy of spirit and flesh that treats flesh as a... No. He created it as good and it can all be good in Him. We saw His glory, glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth who came from the Father. And again, this, this pulls in more concepts that are, are, you know, big concepts, but again, it's, it's so packed in one thing. When we talk about grace and truth, grace is usually that thing that, in a sense, substitutes one thing for another. So if you were to go into a room and exchange one thing for another, uh, or one person for another. There is a, a form of grace, you know, that part of that definition. And so what he's saying is he made an exchange. He took our sin and gave us new life. He presented, he brought truth to us even though the world is looking for light and they can't see him. And even though the Israelites had all of the preparation, still couldn't see him, he's saying that he is opening the doors for us to see and receive something new of him. He goes on and he restates. He says, John testified and shouted, This is the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than I because he existed before me. He says, for we have all received of his fullness one gracious gift after another. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We received goodness in the Lord through the law, but he says it got even better. There was an exchange made. And we received one good thing after another through Jesus Christ. What we couldn't do in the law is done through Jesus Christ. The new life that we couldn't bring ourselves is done through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only one himself God, who was in closest fellowship with the Father, has made God known. That's what we have through Jesus Christ. Well, I've taken another shot at it. I'm not sure where I got, but 
it is a wonderful, wonderful passage. And it contains the core of everything we believe. So I put it out to you and just say, keep after this thing and recognize that what we have in Christ is very, very precious. What we have in Him is the opportunity for new life and to be called the children of God. And the things that we couldn't do on our own, He has done. And the sin that we couldn't get rid of, He's offered to take that upon Himself. What a wondrous, wondrous thing. Amen. I want to pray for God's blessing upon you. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to be the children of God. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.